going to read a little, few more verses than normal at the beginning here this morning. But as always, I'll make you a deal. You stand while I read, and then you can sit down, and I'll keep standing. So, Exodus 14, beginning with verse number 5. Exodus 14 and 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. Let me just quick context. They've already been through the ten plagues. Moses has been before Pharaoh several times declaring that he was to let the children of Israel go. And so now the tenth plague, which was the death of all firstborn throughout Egypt has taken place and Pharaoh tells him to go but then he changes his mind it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people and they say why have we done this why, that we have let Israel go from serving us And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out and went out with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside that place before that other place. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you brought us to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in this wilderness. It had been better for us to continue to live in slavery and bondage than to die free in this wilderness. What a warped mentality. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, there's this thing we have as human beings called the flight or fight response and it's easy to follow the flight response when things are not going right but sometimes in the midst of the instinct to run you've got to just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord the Lord shall fight 
for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, and I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Two more verses. And the angel of the Lord and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now watch this. And it came, this cloud, came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, the Egyptians. Same cloud. But to one side of that cloud, it was a cloud of darkness. But it gave light by night to these, the Israelites, so that the one came not near the other all the night. One cloud, one side it was darkness for the Egyptians. The same cloud on the other side was light. I, I, I usually have a title and every now and then I don't really have one and try to just come up with one. So I don't know if this is the best one, but I want to ask you a question this morning. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Father, thank you so much for your wonderful presence that we have felt in this place today, for the wonderful touch of your spirit that we have seen manifested in this sanctuary. God, I know without a doubt you have already touched hearts and lives in this place this morning. And now I pray, God, that you would continue to do that, but do it through your word that you would minister today. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you would say, that faith would be mixed with your word today that it would profit us, that it would produce in our lives what you desire. Father, I trust in you today. I depend on you again this morning for your anointing. Acknowledge that without you I can do nothing, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This, this cloud that was supernaturally leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Initially, it was their guide to show them where to go. But now the armies of Egypt have decided, we, we don't want to let go of all of these Slaves who have been doing all of our work for us. We, we don't want to release. What are we going to do without them? And so their mind is changed and, and they decide to now go after them. And the children of Israel quickly began to fear and doubt because 
they don't see that there's a way out. Seems like I heard somebody sing one time, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. In their minds, all they could see was the barrier of the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's armies bearing down behind them. They saw no way out and therefore they said, why did you bring us here to die? We could have just died where we were. But the cloud was leading them and the same cloud that was leading them now becomes the barrier between them and their enemies. And, and the same cloud that for one side was light to the other side was dark. Can I tell somebody today, if what you feel like you're in is darkness, that's not the only place to be. That's not the only place to live. Because while you may be in darkness, there is a place of light that you can live in. You see, this this idea here of, of one side being light and the other side being dark is really not something unusual. God, throughout Scripture, communicates this principle of a, of a contrast or a difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. I am well aware that my antics up here this morning, and they may get a little bit worse as we go along. I am well aware that my antics up here to the world may seem really crazy, ridiculous, whatever else you want to label it. I understand that, but I'm not bothered by that because the Lord told us clearly in his word to those that are perishing the preaching of the cross and preaching is foolishness. But the same thing that to one person is foolishness, to those that are saved, it is the power of God. Same thing. The preaching of the cross. To one, it's foolishness. To another, it's the hope. And it's what is embraced as the answer for a life of darkness and a life of bondage. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Now watch this. We preach Christ crucified, but to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, it's foolishness. To some people, it's crazy. Bible thumpers, we may get called. Old-fashioned. 
now shouldn't go here, not trying to stir something up, but now pretty much if you believe in the Bible, you are stereotyped as being some kind of right-wing person. Foolishness, a stumbling block to the Jews, to the, to the Greeks. It's a, it is a negative thing, but, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The same thing, the same thing that to one is foolishness is hope and life to the other. It just depends on which side of it you're on said it already but to those of you that again if this is your first time in an apostolic service if you think what we've done here today is a little different or crazy i i we haven't even we haven't even come close to what we do and then, this is what's in my, I was I was born, if you're a guest today, I'm, I'm Pastor Wright. I was born and raised here. My parents actually started this church, and so this is what I've known all my life. There's a whole lot of folks here that that's not their story. And there's some people, and this, this is always so, I think this is so awesome. There's people that came for the first time, and they saw what happened. And they, and they, some of them thought this and others verbalized it. I will never be back. And I will definitely never act like these people act. And you know who some of the craziest people around here are? It's the ones who said at one point, if I get out of here alive, I'll never be back. But if I do ever come back, I promise you I will never act like that. Why? Because initially they saw it all from one side. But when they opened themselves up to the grace of God and the Spirit of God to begin to work in our in their lives, they begin to see what was foolishness as now being the only hope and the only answer there was the same thing same thing to one was negative to the other was positive it's not the only place Paul says also in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place for we are unto watch this we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish to the one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life, and who is sufficient for these. It's the same smell. It's the same smell, but depending which side of the smell you are on, to one it is an odor that you do not like. To to others it is a sweet aroma. 
1 Peter 2, verse 7, Peter says, Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Unto you, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be, which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Now watch this, same stone. To one, it is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those who stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. To one... It's a stone of stumbling. To another, it's become a precious cornerstone. It's, it's, it's become the, the, a part of the foundation of what things are built on. One stumbles at it and the other embraces it. I, I don't like to hear any profanity, personally. I don't think profanity should come out of the mouths of Christians. In fact, I'll say it different than that. Not just I don't think. I know based on the word of God it shouldn't. Period. So I, I, don't, I don't like to. Sometimes it's unavoidable. I got to tell you, you may, you may think differently. I would rather hear somebody dropping F-bombs than using the name of the Lord in vain. I, I don't like, I don't, I don't like, listen, I, 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 uh, I, I've got a few activities. I'm, one of them is, I'm, hasn't happened since before COVID, but I play racquetball. Hopefully we're supposed to start back up in the leagues that I'm in in a couple of weeks, but months but I, I play with man they they mess up hit a bad shot and they all know i'm a preacher it's a different world it's a different world years ago somebody found out you're a preacher and they used profanity boy they were backstroke and now it's like whatever and i i don't whatever i, I i'd rather hear that and somebody mess up and take the name of the lord in vain there's every it doesn't matter how many times i've heard somebody do it every time i hear it there's something that cringes on the inside because while to you that may be a curse word while to you that may just be a byword when something goes wrong there's some of us that jesus jesus Jesus, there's just something about that name. He's my master, my savior, Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. 
I've ridden in the car in the back seat, especially as a, chi- a child and a teenager, as my dad was driving and my mother would be in the passenger seat and somebody would cut us off or some kind of close call would happen and my mother would grab the handle of the door and you would hear her in the back from the back seat. You'd hear her just going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's not the same Jesus as I've heard on the racquetball court. That's not the same Jesus I've heard somebody that just hit their hammer with their hand with, with a hammer say. It's not the same because when my mother was saying that, she knew the only hope we've got right now is Jesus. The only thing I can call on right now is Jesus. And you know what's amazing is this. You, 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 you can't, all, your prayer can't always just be Jesus. Jesus. Cause I think if that's all you do, you, you know, the Lord's probably like a parent when a kid is like, dad, 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 mom, 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 mom. You're talking, you're trying to ignore it. Finally, you're like, what? And now, and so I, I don't think that all the time it's okay for your only prayer to be Jesus, Jesus. But I will tell you, there's sometimes, and sometimes it's not just in a moment of crisis in a split second. Sometimes, I know I've been in the place sometimes where I didn't really know what to say. I was dealing with stuff I didn't know what to ask for. I I didn't know how to pray. And so all I knew to do was just simply say, Jesus, Jesus. I can't tell you it happens every single time, but there are a lot of times when that happens that just simply calling that name, fear goes and anxiety goes and depression goes because there's something about that name. But, but, but here's another amazing aspect of this. Joseph, most of you know the story, but Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, taken against his will to a completely foreign country to him, spends years and years away from his family, and, 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 and he, he's a, he becomes a, a slave, he, he raises up in Potiphar's house and becomes the, the number two man as the slave. He becomes the number two man in Potiphar's house. He's wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife of committing adultery, which he did not. And he gets thrown into prison. And then in prison, he embraces where he is and rises up to become the, the second in command of prison. If you want God to get you out of the circumstances you're in, You might want to stop being resentful and bitter and pouting over them and just find out how can I best embrace these circumstances and trust that God knew I was going into them and's got a way to get me out of them. So this is now, he's gone through years and years of separation and betrayal and persecution and all kinds of stuff. And now he gets reunited with his brothers who betrayed him. And they find out that they didn't recognize him at first. They find out this is the one we sold into slavery. And they're now like, we are in trouble. But something happened throughout that time that he was away. And he responds to them and he says this in Genesis 50 and verse number 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it 
unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You know, there are some folks that when they, when they get saved, of course, we have a tendency, well, I found God. God was never lost. You didn't find God. God wasn't lost. God found you. He, he, he found you where you were. He was looking for you. He was searching for you, which is a wonderful thing to know. But the thing that's interesting to me is this. Most people, when God finds them, when God saves them, most people, their lives are not in great shape. They're not overflowing with finances and health is perfect and family is perfect and life is... Most people when they get saved, have pretty much hit the bottom. Not everybody, but most. And you know what? Those circumstances that brought you to the bottom by the enemy, by the devil, and yes, we do believe there is a devil, not a figment of our imagination, not just some fantasy creature, there is a devil. And there are demons. And there are angels. The supernatural is more real than this realm we see. Because the supernatural preceded the natural realm. But the things that the enemy tried to use in your life to destroy you. God allowed him to use those things but had a different outcome for them. And what he meant for evil, God intended for good. Somebody help me for a moment here. How many of you married couples that when you got saved, your marriage was on the rocks and it's only by the grace of God that you're still together today. I I got a hand over there. I got a couple of other hands. Had it not been for the intervention of God's power and grace and mercy in your life, you wouldn't be where you are today. So what the enemy intended to use to destroy you, God stood back for a little bit and said, I'm going to let you do that but I'm only going to let you go so far and ultimately I'm going to take what you tried to do to destroy them and I'm going to turn it around and use it to save them oh hallelujah 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 same cloud same rock same smell Bible says in, in another place it says that to the, to, to the, uh, it, it does, it says it. Can't remember exactly how it starts. To the, to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. To the hungry soul. That, that's why it, it's, it's, it, this, this is to the, Folks that come, this not to you guess. This, you, this one doesn't apply to you. You're good. So, but That's why it's not my fault 
or any other man or woman of God's fault who stands in this pulpit and preaches the word of God and you walk out here going, I don't know what that was. I'll tell you what that was. You weren't hungry. You weren't hungry. See, those that aren't hungry, they want a polished preacher, a polished speaker. But to those that are hungry... I could put a seven-year-old up here that barely knows how to speak but tell you some things from this book. And if you're hungry enough, you don't care about the style. You don't care about the delivery. All you know is I'm hungry. I need that. I want that. To the non-hungry, you pick something out of the refrigerator and it's got a little bit of mold on it and you throw it away. To the guy that's hungry and can't find anything to eat, he's digging down in the trash cans and doesn't care what it looks like, what it smells like, because if you're hungry enough, you're going to eat. I wonder, is there any hungry people here today? Is there anybody that says, that may be bitter to somebody else, but I know where I was. I know what he brought me from. And so to me, it's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Only God can make a cloud light to one and dark to the other. Only God can make preaching to one foolishness and to the other fully embrace it as the hope of their lives. You better be careful when you let the world influence what you believe about God and His Word. You better be careful when you let those that think all of this... Bible stuff is foolishness when you when you let them cause you to question and doubt because to them it may very well be foolishness we are we are living in interesting times and from one perspective we are living in times that are only going to get worse If you're sitting around waiting for everything to get solved, if you're waiting for us as a country to go back to the good old days, if if you're thinking we're going back to dollar twenty five cent a gallon gas and all kind of you know no no more crime, no more you, you are you are grossly mistaken. And in fact, I hate to tell you, but from the perspective of this book, there are those things that are going to get worse. But somebody needs to hear me today, whether you're a guest or you come here all the time because too many of us have spent so much time focusing on what's wrong and what's getting worse that we've forgotten that in the midst of the darkness there's also another side that one side may be dark one side may be gloomy with no hope but if you get on the right side of things there is hope Isaiah 60 and verse number 1 says this, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. And that's where we stop. Boy, it's bad. Things are getting worse. I, I wish Jesus would just hurry up and come and get us out of here. It's not just dark, it's gross darkness. 
There's few times when you and I are in some in a room that is absolutely pitch black dark. I don't care if you got room darkening shades, unless you've gotten unless you got a room with no windows. We had a couple of houses ago, our guest room was down in the basement. It didn't have any windows. Brother Scott Shelton loves it dark when he sleeps. He loved that room because there was no windows, there was no light getting into it. Most of the time, most rooms, most of the time in our where we live, there's, there is some degree of light. We call it darkness, but most of the time, if we take it long enough, we can adjust to see at least to get around without killing ourselves. So the prophet Isaiah doesn't just say there's darkness. He says it is gross darkness. I think that's the kind of darkness where you can't see your hand in front of your face. But while there may be gross darkness that covers the earth, the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Who is that? I believe Isaiah's talking there about the church. He was speaking prophetically about the church. So while there is darkness all around us, and there may be gross darkness in our world today, there is a place where there is a light that is shining and a light that will shine and then listen to the next verse and the Gentiles that is in this context the unsaved shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising oh hallelujah they're going to come to your light because it, it doesn't it doesn't if I if I if you got sunglasses on, you might want to get them out. Get ready, okay? Prepare. Is this, this is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. Wow. Did you see how much difference that made when I turned that light on? That was amazing. What? That was so powerful. I, just, I know you're all speechless. <laughs> of course not. Turn it on and off. Absolutely, you can't tell one bit of difference. Why? Because we're in a room full of light. There's some great things about a cell phone, apps and texting and calling. All that stuff's wonderful. I think one of the best parts of of the invention of the cell phone, at least the one that we have now, is that feature right there. I get up in the middle of the night for have to move around the house. I don't go turn another light. I turn that on because it's enough for me to see and maneuver around my house without kicking the corner of the furniture and whatever else. But it's also not too bright that I'm squinting. You see, our problem is this. Oh, hallelujah. We, we, too often we measure our impact by here. And I don't mean to be offensive to any one of us, but most of us, all of us, pretty much are about like that here. But turn off all the lights in this room and let me do that. And every person in this room would be able to see 
even the back row would be able to see the light. No, it doesn't light up the room enough for you to read and do whatever else, but it, a little bit of light, a little bit of light is able to overcome the greatest amount of darkness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the light of God, the light of the Word of God, shined into the darkness. I got a question. Does anybody ever walk into a dark room and get ready to turn the light switch on and your pulse starts racing because you're just not sure if the light's going to overpower the darkness or not? I wonder who's going to win this one. I wonder if the light's going to overtake the darkness. or I wonder if the darkness is going to win this time. No. You know what? You got a little flame. You can throw some water on it. It'll put it out. But you get a forest fire going, throw you a couple of buckets of water on it, won't do anything. Not every battle has a guaranteed outcome. But there's never been a time that darkness has overpowered the light. And so we may be in a world of gross darkness. We may be in a world that seems to be getting darker and darker. But as some of us used to say in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I don't know why. I don't know why we always sing little. But we do. We never sing this light of mine. It's always this little light of mine. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Because when we say this little light of mine, but the little light of mine is over, is able to overcome great darkness. So you can sit on the side of the cloud that's dark and have no hope, or you can get on the other side of the cloud where there's some light and say, you know what, in this world we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He has overcome the world, and he lives inside of me, so I will overcome the world. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Zechariah says this, chapter 14, verse number 6. It shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time, at evening time. I know there's gross darkness and it seems to get worse, but I'm telling you today, at evening time, there will be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter, it shall be. Oh, you can live on the side of darkness if you want. You can get consumed with looking at the darkness if you want. Or you can acknowledge the fact, I can't explain it all, I, I, I don't understand it all, but all I know is this, not only from what the Word of God says, but from personal experience, the very same thing to one can be darkness. 
can be a stumbling block, can be a nasty smell, but to another, it's a rock for a foundation. It's light that penetrates my darkness. It's a sweet aroma. Barnes Notes says this about this idea that one day there's going to be light in the evening. One special day. One unlike all beside, known unto God and to Him alone. For God alone knows the day of the consummation of all things, as He saith. Of that day and that hour knoweth no one, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, so as to reveal it but the Father only. Neither holy day, because overclouded with darkness, nor holy night, for the streaks of light burst through the darkness checkered of both. But in eventide, when all seems ready, Ready to sink in the thickest night, there shall be light. Divine light always breaks in when all seems darkness. Back to what I said earlier. Some of you, when you got saved, you were at the end. It seemed as if life was over. It seemed as though you might as well give up and just quit. But at evening time, At the point in which it seems like all hope was lost, God stepped in and brought light to your darkness. See, it's not really your circumstances that matter, really, it's not the circumstances. What matters is who is the God of the circumstances. And the problem is, too many times we try to be the God of our circumstances. We try to figure it out. We try to work it out. We try to solve all of our problems. And if that's the way you're living today, you have every reason to be scared to death. You have every reason to be depressed and discouraged if you're the one that's trying to fix it all. But if the God, the only God, is the God of your circumstances, the circumstances really don't matter. Paul said it like this way in Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. When you know that God is in control of your circumstances, you know that everything, even when it doesn't look like it can, everything has to work out for your good. Peter says this, 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient. Now, now watch this. Listen to this, the rest of this verse. Noah, and, and, and it's referencing Noah and the ark and the flood. And we know that in the, in the flood, in the ark that Noah built, the Bible says there was only eight souls 
who were saved. The rest of humanity was destroyed in that flood. But listen to what the Bible says of that, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by what? Eight souls were saved by what? Wait a minute. I thought the water was there to destroy. I thought the water destroyed the earth. If they're on the wrong side of the cloud. If you're on the wrong side of the cloud, the water was destruction. But if you get on the right side of the cloud, what appeared to be that which was causing the destruction is actually that by which they were saved. If you want to know what that has to do with you and I, let me tell you. The like figure whereunto, this idea of these souls being saved by water, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Message Bible says, verse 20, this way, because they wouldn't listen, you know, even though God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ship, only a few were saved then, eight to be exact, saved from the water, by the water. Saved from the water, by the water. Got any boaters here? Any kayakers, canoers, whatever else? Anybody ever been on some kind of a boat? Okay, there we go. Interesting thing to me is the same water. Holds the boat up. Same water. It's not different water. Same water that holds the boat up is the same water that if it gets in the boat causes it to sink. Same water. Same water. Same vessel. Some of you got some circumstances today. That God didn't allow those circumstances in your life to sink you. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all helped me preach last Sunday. I'm not getting a whole lot of help today. The things that are going on in your life that you are determined are there to sink you. Are the very things that God has allowed in your life. To push you up. Because some of you wouldn't be sitting where you are right now had there not been some adversity. Had there not been some obstacles to push you where? Up. Up. Up to 
the only source. Neither is there salvation in any other name. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name to call on for salvation. There's only one name to call on for healing. There's only one name to call on for fear, for depression. And that is the name of Jesus. And so maybe there's some stuff in your life today that you think is trying to sink you, but God is trying to push you up. Oh, hallelujah. Come help me out, Timothy. Maybe that'll get them them moving a little bit. Psalms 139 in verse number 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. You compass me up my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Can I tell somebody today, there is not one thing in your life. Oh, Jesus. There is not one thing in your life personally or one thing going on in this world that God is not fully aware of it. He knows when you sit down. And he knows when you stand up. He knows when you're feeling good. And he knows when you're feeling down. He knows all your ways. For there is not a word in my tongue. But lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. That actually could be a little bit scary, but we'll move on. You have been behind me and before And not only have you been behind me and before me, but you got your hand on me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I've got you in front of me. I got you behind me. I got you beside me. And then I got your hand on me. Oh, hallelujah. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I think what he's saying there, you know what, God, that sounds too good to be true. That just sounds too good to be true. Let me tell you something. Naturally speaking, I've never found one thing that was so good. It was, I I have found most things that are too good to be true. And that's not coming out right. You say it this way. I've never found things naturally to always be as good as they said. I'll never forget, we were, we were at a car show. I think I was a teenager. We were at a car show in Baltimore. My dad and I don't think maybe my brother, I don't know who else. We were walking around, and they got these. I, I, I wish I could remember. I don't know how. I can't believe I forgot the name. But there was this guy set up with his table. He had these rags. They were like yellow or orange. And I forget. And he, he had a bowl, a bowl 
Man, he taken and he take a yeah like a two liter of soda and he pour that a bunch of that that's the whole thing but he pour a bunch of it in there and he'd set that thing down in there and I mean it was like a wet vac it just sucked every bit of that moisture up. My dad bought a bunch of those. We got back home. A little drop of water on the counter. Ah, watch this. Watch it. Hey, everybody, come get ready. Watch this. Drop that rag on there. Ready? Pull it up. Still there. It's like those commercials on TV, those nasty, filthy showers. And they just take Mr. Eraser and just wipe down, and suddenly you got a brand new shower. Those things ain't never worked that way for me in all my life. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, but I'm going to tell you today, it's not too good to be true. It is high. I cannot attain it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? And understand, David was not asking here, God, I want to get away from you. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't trying to figure out, where can I go to get away from you, God? What he, was, what he was affirming was, no matter where I am, no matter what I go through, you are going to be there. If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. Well, of course, we know that. Duh, of course he's in heaven. Oh, but watch this. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. Oh, watch this, watch this, watch this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. To you, God, the darkness, even the night, shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night, the night... The night, the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. There may be gross darkness, it may get even worse, but to God, whether it's day or it's night, it's all the same because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness. Cannot, cannot overtake it. I'm, I'm wrapping down, winding up, not wrapping down, I'm winding up. We've made contact with the tower. They know we're coming. Revelation 1 verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle called Patmos. Somebody say Patmos. Patmos was a place that John was punished, put there for punishment. It was a barren place. It was a desolate place. It wasn't the Bahamas. It wasn't the Virgin Islands. It wasn't the best vacation spot to go to. He was there as punishment. 
But oh, watch what happens in a desolate place. For the word of God in the Isle of Patmos, the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Where were you, John? According to the verse we just read, he was on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, uh, Y'all better help me or the tower's going to tell us we got to circle around. Verse 9 says he was on the Isle of Patmos. Verse 10, John says, I don't know where y'all think I was, but let me tell you where I was. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a great trumpet as a voice. I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamos, and unto Thyre and Tyre and Sardis, and unto Philadelphia and Laodicea. Skipping down to verse 17, he says, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his hand, he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Anybody dealing with a little bit of trouble in your life right now? Anybody? Anybody got some trials you're going through right now? Can I tell you before that trial showed up, he was first. Before your trial ever came, he was there first. And your trial may be there right now, but when it's all said and done, he's going to get the last word. I am he that liveth, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. What, what, what is, how do we, from a human perspective, look at that? You're, you're, you're dead or you're not in existence yet, which is kind of like being dead. And then you live and then you die. He said, I was alive. Then I died. But now I'm alive forevermore. Can I tell you the economy of the kingdom is different than the economy of the world. In the world, to go up, you try to climb up. In the kingdom, if you want to go up, you need to go down first. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he he will exalt you. Last verses. Oh, it's, you know, there's some verses. It's so sad because we only usually use them in certain times and places. And this is one of those that it usually only gets read at the graveside of a saint of God. 
But oh, there's so much more to these verses than just telling somebody a little bit of hope because their loved one is in the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have been put on, shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I know some folks today that used to be with us, they're not here anymore because death seems to have won. But there's going to be a day when the dead in Christ shall rise and we that are alive and remain are going to join with them and at that point we can all say oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory I'm preaching to a few people today that right now for you, it's not literal death that you're dealing with. It's a figurative death. But can I tell you today, the same way there's going to be a literal resurrection from a literal death, God can resurrect you from your dead circumstances today. Oh, hallelujah. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, To the carnal mind, to the natural unsaved man, death is the end. Oh, hallelujah. Don't, 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 Don't leave me now. To the carnal mind, death is the end. But to the spiritual mind, to the saved folks, death is not an end. You know what? It's sad the things that we claim we believe in this book that when push comes to shove, we don't really believe it. There's a lot of stuff. We're, we're quick and ready. We've got to be born again. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in other tongues. We believe all that. Woo! Do we believe that if I breathe my last breath before the rapture of the church takes place, I have that's not the end. That's actually 
the beginning. You see, what most of us fail to understand is that what we are in right now is simply the second womb. We all think we live in one womb and we're done. That's it. Now, no. The first womb that you spent nine months in, gave or take a few weeks, was simply to prepare you for this life. And everything that took place in the womb of your mother was development and preparation for here and now. But that was to get you to this womb, whether you live 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, that may vary, but all of this is just the womb for the next and the final life. This isn't going to be the end. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. The problem is, which side of the cloud are you on? Which side are you on? Are you on the side where it's darkness, gross darkness? Or are you on the side where there is light that is overcoming the darkness? It really doesn't matter if this is your first time today or if you've come here thousands of times. Their Holy Ghost, I believe, is speaking to people in all categories this morning. Because as I've already said, there's some folks that you are saved, you claim to be saved, but you are living so overwhelmed by the condition of this world and how hopeless it is. And the world itself is hopeless. But the reason that you and I are here is because there is hope there is one side of the cloud it's dark there is one side of preaching that's foolishness but then there's another side it's light there's another side where those become words of hope and salvation and courage I want you to stand all over the sanctuary if you would right now I believe the Holy Ghost is speaking to some people today. Whether you're a guest or again, you come here regularly, it doesn't really matter. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to some people right now. If you're here today and maybe you acknowledge, you know what, I, I've, I've been overwhelmed. I'm becoming overcome by the darkness. I want to get on the other side of the cloud. I want to invite you this morning. That opportunity is ready, available, readily available. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to do that and today is as good of a day as any because the way we get into Christ is not just a profession of faith but the way that we get into Christ is that we are baptized into Christ we are baptized fully immersed in water in the name of Jesus not in the titles Father, Son and Holy Ghost but in the name of Jesus they were saved by water and you and I are saved by water. 
I want you to close your eyes for a moment if you would. And if nothing else, I ask you just to do that for a moment out of respect to those around you. But if you're here this morning and you would acknowledge the Holy Ghost is talking to you today, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, I want to invite you right now to step out of your seat, make your way down to the front of this sanctuary, and whatever condition you may be in, whatever whatever phase you may be in, to let the Lord shine some light into your darkness, to let the Lord Lord, bring some hope to your depression, your discouragement, some peace where there's anxiety and turmoil. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Don't be spectators right now. Don't be a spectator, but be a conduit that God can use. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I need some help in this altar. There's some folks that have come. I need some help. In the name of Jesus. I know things may look hopeless for you today. I know the forecast of your future may be gloomy. I know it may seem like the worst is only yet to come. That with all you've already been through, all you see is worse in the future. But I want to tell you today, there is light. There is hope. There is salvation. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church. I need some help. Don't delay. I need some help. Oh, yes, Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, help us today. Help us today. Help us today. We may be covered with gross darkness, but God, your word says there's light. We may be overcome with the darkness, but your word says there's light that's going to shine through the darkness. I know there's some of you today that you've been walking in the valley of the shadow of death. He was there before you went in the valley. He's going to be there when you come out of the valley. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. In the name of Jesus, let the light shine. Let the light shine into the darkness right now. Let the light shine into the darkness right now. is shining into some lives right now. Come on, the light is shining into some darkness right now. Oh, I believe there's some hopelessness that's beginning to dissipate in some lives. I believe there's some depression that's beginning to be driven back by the power of the Holy Ghost in this place.
in the name of Jesus. I know it may not look good now, but hang on. There's going to be light. I know it might not feel good right now, but hang on. There's going to be light. You may think you're getting the evening time where darkness is coming, but you're getting the evening time where God's going to cause the light to break through in your darkness. surrounding me you're surrounding me it's not my adversary that's surrounding me it's you that's surrounding me God afraid because you're all around me. I got no reason to be afraid because you're all around me, God. You've got me surrounded. You've got me surrounded, God. I am not afraid. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. afraid I'm not afraid I'm not afraid I'm not afraid always beside me oh yes no valley you know where I am God you know where I am haven't forsaken me. You haven't abandoned me, God. You haven't left me. My darkness is not darkness to you. My night isn't night to you. You overcome it. You overpower it. You overshadow it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Arabosata rabakaya to robosata. Yeah, arabosata rabakaya. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's some folks that are still praying and musicians will keep playing a little bit. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you're a guest, we're so glad to have you and hope that you'll come see us again. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.